0: Everyone, thanks for joining us again on the Cultivate Podcast from the Grove Church. I am Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor there. And we have with us again Cass Harris. What's up? Repeat. Right. I know oh, the the guest so nice, he had to come back twice. It's Cass Harris, worship pastor and elder oh my at the Grove Church. That was good, wasn't it? Uh, I was I was sure I was working on that on the drive, on the drive up here. Whole way. Oh yeah, it was great. It was great. And uh, last time, if you joined us last time, we just spent some time just talking about how to process Old Testament Testament narratives, how to, like, there's, there's, there's things that we miss, things that we get intimidated by. I think God's got a lot of great things to say to us in Old Testament narratives, and very often we just miss them. And right now, I don't know when you're listening to this, but as we are recording this, we are in the middle of a series on the book of Ruth in our church, which is kind of what had this Old Testament issue kind of in my head for one. And I think it's also just good for the people who are kind of doing these podcasts as we go. It's kind of be one, some supplemental materials, but also just a really good opportunity, I think, for us to apply some of the principles that we talked about um, last week. So we got this story of Ruth, and I'm just going to read the first few verses here. And then I just want you, Cass, to just kind of tell me, like based on these principles and things we talked about last time, like what are some things about the story already that stick out to you? Verse one, chapter one, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem and Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malan and Kilian. They are Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband died and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. And they had lived there about 10 years. Both Malan and Killian also died and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. Now I feel like that most of us, when we would read an Old Testament story like that, would just kind of look at that as, okay, that is just kind of generic Intro to the story, and we're like, okay, get to the story. What, if anything, though, for you, kind of stands out in those in those five verses?
1: Yeah. So first thing that first thing that jumps out to me is context in the time of the judges.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, we have a whole book of judges, and uh, that kind of that kind of weird weird in between time when Israel would. Kind of get off the rails. God was sent a judge and kind of right the ship a little bit, and it's just like this just big cycle right. that happens. And so we have we have context of kind of when this is. Mm-hmm. I think that's big. Another thing that jumps out is Moab, right? Uh, neighboring country, modern day Jordan. If I'm not mistaken, it's Moab is is from the. From the daughters of Lot, that he, oh, my word, that he had yes, uh, yes. Is sex with <laughs> yeah, his own daughters, the, and then and these are
0: the people that settled Moab. Top yeah. three worst stories in the Bible, uh, yeah, as far that, as I'm yeah, concerned. Yeah, they flee Sodom and Gomorrah. Right, and his wife doesn't make it. Her husbands don't even leave, and the wife dies because she turns around and looks turns in salt. And it's just the dad and the two daughters hiding in a cave, and they're like, "We don't have husbands. We don't have any sons." Let's get dad drunk and have sex with him.
1: Yeah. Great story. Great story.
0: Yep. And so one of those sons was a guy named Moab, who was the father of the Moabites.
1: Yes. And so here we, here we have. And, and so, so another thing is I just see famine. And there's such a, it, it's a theme in the Old Testament. There's famine. And then and what do you do? What do you do when right. you don't have what you need? And one thing that jumps out to me here is they didn't go to Egypt. Every other time that it mentions famine, people go to Egypt. Because there's always food in Egypt, right. but for some reason they just had to go to Moab, which I was like, I, I just think of that. I think well, there's probably a famine there too. It's it's like literally right over the mountain, so I don't really know what to do with that. But the the fact that they they leave they leave their their people and go somewhere else, it's just it's just interesting to me why they would actually leave.
0: Yeah, it still feels to me, even like you said, they very often go to Egypt, and Egypt in the Old Testament very often represents kind of the the what the opposite of God, right? It's a, it's, 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 you know, there's God and there's not God and that's Egypt. Right. But it still feels to me like to leave God's promised land. Right. To go anywhere else. Right. Is, is an, an intentional step outside of God's protection. For
1: sure. It feels like that way for sure. Yeah.
0: And the Moabites, they said they, they're essentially racially their cousins because of lots connection to Abraham. So they're, They're not different in that sense, but they they had beef,
1: big time. Yeah, they weren't allowed in the assembly. They were kind of on a short list with the with the Israelites for sure. Like we don't we don't really do anything with them.
0: Yeah, right. There's some there are some foreigners that can fairly easily assimilate into the 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 larger Israelite community, but the Moabites couldn't. Nope, nope. And it has to do with you know essentially they they opposed. Israel as they were headed from Egypt to the promised land. Right. And so the, the, the great story I already mentioned, one of the top three worst stories. This is one of the top three best stories where the Moabites hire a prophet to curse them. And he won't, he won't curse them. He just won't. He just, well, he comes up to him and he sees them and he asks God and God says no, you better not. So he blesses them. And the King of Moab is like, what, what if we come look at him over here take him all these different, bless them now, bless them now, curse them, curse them, curse them. And he just keeps blessing them. And then finally he's like, Okay, we just we just come with me, and God says God says to this guy, he's like this guy named Balaam. He's like, sure, you can go with them. So God theoretically gives permission for him to go, but on the road it says God is angry that he's going and opposes him, and a giant angel with a sword is in the road, and the donkey sees it. And starts talking. And and it's like and and then finally he just starts. Beating his donkeys, like why do you keep leaving off the road? And and you know, donkey's like you not know, see that big dude with the sword? And this is like you know, it says God opened the mouth of the donkey. And The best part of the story is donkey starts talking to him, and Balaam just starts talking back. He just talks back. I yeah. mean, it's like you're the only appropriate response to that is ah, talking donkey. Uh, yeah, but right. he's like you gotta get back on the road, stupid donkey. That's why I'm beating <laughs> you, anyways. So so all that to say. So they they've got they've got beef with Moab and um and so now all of a sudden we are going to this place and now we've got enter in, entering into this are two Moabite women which we're not supposed to feel great about. One of them is Ruth and that's the person who the book is named after. So at this point I've kind of got some we got we've got some questions. How can the Mo, how can a Moabite get her own book? Right. Right. So what what do you think? So like in the process of this we got we've got them leaving god's protection going to moab which they shouldn't and it seems that the result is all the men in the family die right are we are we supposed to are we supposed to take something from that
1: i mean i don't know how you i don't know how you don't i mean you you flee god's protection you go outside of what he has kind of said this is i, I mean he said i mean i'm i'm going to i'm giving you this land i'm going to take care of you and at first Sign a conflict or or you, you you bolt right there's something to be said for that absolutely and it i mean it's it's really unfortunate because in that culture it's a very patriarchal culture with a, a woman without her husband it, it has nothing, has right. no power, and just leaves just completely abandons uh when when they die, it just completely leaves them out out to dry
0: right you know it doesn't explicitly say. That they died because they were under some curse of God. It Doesn't say that God did anything. God is God as a character in this story has not shown up yet, but it feels pretty safe to say that a, an original reader of this would have would have felt that.
1: Yeah, even I mean, even Naomi is recognizing it. I mean, she her her words are, "God has abandoned me. He's cursed me," and right. changes her name. You know, I mean, so. So, yeah, I think the fact that Naomi says that yeah, as a reader, you're going to be like, oh, man, they should not have gone over there. You know, the right. f- very first thing they go to Moab, a reader's going to be like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I like this story. Yeah.
0: And, so, and, and, and what happens, at least until this point, is exactly what you think would happen. You go there. You go to a place you shouldn't. You're outside of God's protection. You marry Moabite women. Yep.
1: Everything's going wrong. Yep, And
0: then everything goes wrong that that makes sense. And then you have this next verse which I think again is just kind of a little I don't know if dig is the right word but it's like when Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them. Mhm. like ouch. I mean like you sh- I mean, you should have you should have stayed. Yeah. Yeah. You should have stayed. Absolutely. And so now she's got her two daughters in law um after work really hard at the, it's it's daughters in law, it's not daughter-in-laws. Oh yeah, right, write, write, that, write, write that down. Daughters-in-law. Anyways, her two daughters-in-law, Orpa and Ruth. So Naomi says she's going to go back to Israel. You girls, you should just stay with get, go back with your families. Get a husband here. And you stay here, which really makes sense. And Orpa does that.
1: Yeah, she's not. She's not doing anything wrong here. She's no. she's actually trying to take care of them. Listen, you got nothing with me. You can actually still make something of yourself here. Yeah,
0: right. And Orpa's sad about it. She loves Naomi, obviously but she 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 goes back to her family, but Ruth will not, and right. basically makes this declaration of like, "Hey, your people are my people, your guy's gonna be my God, I mean cross stitches and inspirational posters everywhere with this passage on it of just Ruth's declaration of nothing will separate me from you naomi mm-hmm. why why I mean we're not we're, we're speculating here, but I think Based on what we talked about last week, I think this is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to stop because that's a shocking thing. Yeah, that the Moabite would demon would would do that. A, Mo- a Moabite? Mm-hmm. But why? Why? Why do you think Ruth? Why do you think Ruth made that decision?
1: Yeah, I think I think my best guess is that that despite my upbringing and teaching during this time of of Israel of them constantly just doing wrong, that they actually had a reputation for for being good. For taking care of people, and I think she saw an opportunity. Like I think I know how they work, and I think if I go back, I actually have a chance of of being taken care of. Right? And there's something about this God of Israel. I mean, they've heard stories. There's a reputation there, and they're really, literally just right over the I mean, right over the mountain. I mean, there there's going to be contact there, and I think that she sees us as an opportunity. Like I, I I see something in your God of Israel that that I want
0: yeah I, th- I, think, I think it speaks both to Ruth's character, like what you're saying, of just of, a, of a, a real sense of understanding and appreciating who God is. But I think by extension then, that that points to Naomi's character, too. because she's the only one that's left, and whatever Ruth saw in God, she saw, I think through her primarily through her experience with, with Naomi. And so whatever it was that Naomi did, like even, even Orpah, it was a difficult decision for her to leave her. Even though, again, I don't think Orpah did anything wrong by going back to her family. It it was difficult. There was something about the, the character and reputation of Naomi. And, but then Ruth saw that and wants to cling to her and cling to God. I mean, he explicitly says, your God will be my God. And so, so again, here we have here in the first in the first chapter is, um, an, the the building of an unlikely hero. She's the, she's the wrong person from the wrong country, wrong gender, and a cursed family.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, cards are stacked,
0: right? But she is demonstrating extraordinary character and commitment, not only to her mother in law, but ultimately to God as well. So then they end up back in Israel and first thing they got to do is they got to figure out how to how to get food. And so the process they go through is they, basically she goes she's just going to go out and start gathering. So this would have been very normal to them. Maybe you can explain kind of what 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 why why was this what they had to do to get food.
1: Yeah. And this is this is again understanding that God's kind of command to Israel of always leaving extra for the alien, the orphan and the widow. So when it was time to harvest, you you didn't cut the corners of your field. You know, you're talking a pretty small field. And I think it was barley harvest. Thing is what it says, so they're they're harvesting barley. And so when they went around to to harvest it, they would just kind of circle on those corners and leave some for people that didn't have anything. They could come out and pick their own food. And I, I think even in, I think it's in in Leviticus. Even if a if a if a uh, like a strand is dropped, like a whole stalk that you're not supposed to pick it up. You leave it for someone because it's there's already a lot of work that's been done there, and you're even supposed to leave that. And so we see that happening as well. So I I love it that we see, and I think this kind of goes to the reputation that maybe Ruth knew of that mm-hmm. that here is a group of people in Israel that's actually doing what God asked them to do. They're they're actually walking it out. They're they're saying, "I'm not going to take." everything in this field. I'm going to leave some for the people that don't have anything, which is what God was all about from the very beginning. I, I, I love that part of the story.
0: Mm. So Ruth's faithfulness and trust and belief in God that she saw through Naomi, she's now experiencing it through the people at large by them having an attitude that says right. we want to make sure that widows are taken care of. And so she ends up in the field of a guy named Boaz who turns out to be a relative of Elimelech, her dead father-in-law. Right. And Naomi's re- response was, I mean, she, she's thrilled. Yeah. Because it wasn't, she didn't go there on purpose. Right. She didn't, Ruth, Ruth didn't know. She just, you know, coincidentally, wink, wink, um, ends up in in a, in a cousin and Naomi describes it this way. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to Zahra. He has not stopped showing kindness to the living and the dead. And she added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. So she ends up in this place where it's a cousin. And this cousin is very kind to her. And just make sure that she has extra food that she can gather is very kind. And Naomi's excited. Hey, not only is this guy the cousin, he's not only a really nice guy, but he's one of our Guardian Redeemers. And so I'm guessing that there are people who would read that and be like, oh yeah, okay. Guardian Redeemer and would keep going, like original readers. Just seems like two really weird Bible words put together to me to make one mega Bible word. Right. What is a guardian redeemer? You got anything? You got anything for me? What is a guardian redeemer?
1: Yeah, there's the there's a whole man, there's this chapters in Leviticus that talk about redeeming and, and really it's this way of anyone that has lost their, their power, they've lost their influence. uh, They've lost their ability to, to, um, to survive. Really. Um, You have someone that's lost their land um, or they've lost family with this patriarchal society. If it's a a female that their husband has been, has, has died. So it fits the situation, there's a chance for them to get back in to -hmm. the family. Um, They, they hadn't, they had nothing, and and they're saying this is a chance that, that Boaz can actually redeem Ruth and, and Naomi and give them what they need again. Um, without that, they would just be hopefully finding a field with nice people right. for the rest of their lives. They stumbled on this one. Not all the fields w- were necessarily going to be that way. They stumbled on a nice one, but without uh, actual redeeming. And so— a lot goes into that. I mean, we're going to see that here later in the story. There's the um, purchasing of the land that was in that family. There's also, uh, you know, continuing the line of Elimelech, which actually is, is pretty significant as well. That Boaz would do whenever he makes this makes this decision. Um, so a lot's happening there. But 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 the but the fact that we're seeing not just I'm going to take care of you today, but this is I'm going to take care of you always. Right. Is is the big part of that. It's a, it's a whole system, in the Levitical code,
0: right? And 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 to me, that system, the way that you describe it, I mean, we're supposed to catch glimpses. I think of Jesus,
1: absolutely, in that, absolutely.
0: Of you, you find yourself completely isolated. You find yourself completely hopeless, and someone purchases for you through through personal sacrifice, purchases the right for you to be grafted back into God's family, right? And so we are we are, you know, hundreds, thousands of years away from mm-hmm. from the time of Jesus, but we just Leviticus and then several hundred years later we find ourselves here. We just see this kind of of God setting the stage for us. Cuz Boaz, he's a real person and we should admire his real character, but kind of the way he seems to be functioning in the story really is he's God's representative. He's 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 the God Jesus Figure in the story, and at sacrifice to himself, I'm going to take what I have and I'm going to sacrifice some of what I have for, for you. And she's going to, and we'll find this in Ruth chapter three. And I don't want to skip over their courtship because their courtship is great. And I have some very specific questions I want to ask you about their courtship. Um, but you know, she's going to ultimately become his wife, but like you said, the son. Though physically his wouldn't wouldn't be his.
1: No, no. It's actually. I mean, he he actually is losing. He actually in doing this loses his own line, which right. is just we we don't really have anything to compare that to with 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 our culture. Really, I right. I try to think think of something. It's it, yeah. He it actually is, you think it's a you think he's gaining. He gets he gets some land. He get mm-hmm. he gets some people. But like he's basically losing himself in that in that process. He now. That that line that his heir his that line is actually his brother's and not and not his yeah. But, yeah.
0: So he's buying land, but it's not he's not going to be able to keep it. It's going to go to his son. Yeah, who's technically legally in this system, not even his son. Right. Even though he physically produced the son. Right. Physically took care of the son, raised the son, provided for the son, bought the land. Ultimately, it. It, it diverges from his specific family, so it is a complete sacrifice that he makes, and ultimately, for the benefit of other people, not him. Right? I mean, they don't have last names in the way that we think of it, but like the son wouldn't have his last name in the way that we in the way that we think of. He wouldn't have his. I would would have a different last name, right? And wouldn't be a part of his his family technically. But he's willing to do that, which kind of gets to the point where it's like. Um, it it becomes a battle between Boaz and this other guy who's actually a little bit of a closer relative and Boaz comes to him and says hey you know you're the i have been asked to kind of redeem this land but you're closer do you want it and this dude's thinking yeah I'll, I'll buy some land oh yeah
1: i'll take land yeah absolutely
0: it's, oh but it's also got it's got a woman attached to it and what's that dude's response do you
1: um i don't think i'm going to be able to do that i mean it, it, he, he basically he talks about a risk yeah. And again, it's you know, something we read over. Like you read that and you go, "Oh, well, I just don't want what some old woman living <laughs> living on my land." It isn't that at all. He completely understands my estate, my, everything that I've worked for, it would not be there anymore. I, I would be sacrificing all that, and that that guy just wasn't willing to do it.
0: I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate.
1: Uh, yeah, which, from what we've been saying, it, I think it clears up that a little bit more of what that what that endangering means. It isn't that. Oh there's going to be more people here and I'm not going to be able to feed everybody. That's kind of how I would read it in my through my natural lens. Oh okay, I, he just it's just going to be a little bit iffy. It's going to be a little bit uncomfortable. Right. There's a there's a Moabite. Is that going to you know, I don't know if there's some a foreigner, I don't know, but it really it would be a lot more to have to do with that whole line and air and what all of his stuff where it goes.
0: Right? Yeah. All right, so it's that that's really cool, but in order to get there, we have a bit of I don't know if romance is the right word or not, but so in the the love story aspect of this, we have Boaz coming to check on his fields, and the manager's there overseeing it, and he sees Ruth. Yeah. And his first line is, "Who's who? who who's who's the, that? Who's that young yeah. woman?" I don't know. I mean, sometimes maybe I'm reading into it, but it's not like, "Hey, who's that in my field?" Doesn't. Who, who, yeah. Who's that? Yeah. There's interest for sure. Yeah and then he finds out and is really is really excited actually that it's her because not only has she caught his eye apparently but he knows the story of the mm-hmm. loyalty and love that right so I want to be extra nice to you not just simply because you caught my eye but because yeah. you are you are you are beautiful on the inside yeah. from what you've done and then we've got this line here he and and there and there and at meal t- it says at mealtime so that's dinner they're eating at mealtime boaz said to her Come over here, have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. Now that just feels like—I mean, on on the surface, that just is like, hey, you know, have have some food. And if I see more than that than there, I mean, am I am I reading into that? What do you think? It was just your your opinion. <laughs> I mean, it's like—is it, I mean, hey, have a little.
1: What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it seems he definitely doesn't have to do that. I mean, he's 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 already being generous. And the fact that he's gonna come over and kind of kind of sit with us, um, th- there's there's d- there's something going on there. I mean, it isn't explicit, but man, it it's so hard to not read between those lines and go, there's he's there's some kind of attraction, there's some sort of draw to this woman that that Boaz has, and I think he's just taking opportunities to be like, come over here.
0: Yeah. Over here. we could over have just here hey, here, take some of this bread. He could have sent or
1: he could have even given it to somebody and said, Go take it to her over there. I mean, yeah, yeah. But the fact that he calls her over here, there's something there. And she, I think let's, it's,
0: let's let's share bread together. Yeah. Let's share our bowl of wine vinegar yeah. together. It's
1: and, it's beyond just being kind. Yeah, you know, there's something more.
0: Yeah. And so and and I think, you know, maybe Ruth wouldn't maybe wouldn't catch it, but Naomi clearly did. Oh yeah. And in chapter three, she's like, Okay, I've got I've got to find a home for you. And it seems like Boaz, he seems like he's, not only does he have provision, but he seems to have some interest in you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so this is the plan that Naomi comes with. Tonight, he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you are there until he is finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do, and so she said, "Hey, I'll do exactly what you said." And so, verse seven, when Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in quote good spirits, good spirits <laughs> <laughs> he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. didn't quite make it to the Didn't quite make it to the bed. Just lying down in a big old pile of grain. There we are. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. <laughs> He turned and there was a woman lying at his feet. So I'm just gonna ask you a very straightforward question here, Cass. Is there more to that than what meets the eye? Or is that just what I read and is this all very straightforward and normal?
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think like there's part of me that just that wants to see that wants to see more there. I like, like it 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 there's some phrases in there, that it the fact the way that they kind of lay this story out and in, in some of these details is this is just the thing with with Eastern literature is that there isn't just stuff thrown in whenever there's a detail when there's something there there's a reason for it and so the the fact that we kind of talk through this whole this whole thing number one we would have we would have understood harvesting and the threshing floor and winnowing and all this kind of stuff which we don't really really get but everyone's gonna understand what that means and it's it's a it's a big party you're gonna you're gonna they know they're going to sleep there because you got to protect so could come in if you if you did all that work and then left somebody could come in in the middle of the night and take it all away but so we so this is all to the readers it's going to be very very understandable but this whole this uh Naomi's setting her up and getting her all prettied up in order to catch his attention uh and then this whole uncovers his feet there's just isn't that it's just a weird phrase why why are you going to why are you going to uncover his feet like that's just a weird phrase. It's a weird phrase.
0: And that doesn't really seem to have some sort of like you've been doing all that. Oh, and in Leviticus, bada, bada
1: bada No, no, no. There, I mean there really isn't. And and if you look at just that word uncover, the vast majority of the time that it is used in Old Testament, it means it means exposing. It isn't right. it isn't just lifting some it it means denude. Right. Right. And so To use that phrase with feet is also going to be kind of weird, too. I mean, feet are out all the time. Like, what's, what are you going to expose your feet? Feet are always out. So it just seems to be leading to something else.
0: Yeah. At at a very, at a a bare minimum, it feels like that there is, there is at least an erotic implication, an an intimate implication here of more, not that she did anything to him, but just, but just a, a very intimate, romantic gesture that has a bit of an erotic feel to it. I mean, and he I may mean, he woke up fairly startled by it, but also, you know, and she she put on her her best perfume and her and her best dress, and and but then the really cool thing is, like, if to the degree that to say that that was an erotic gesture of some kind, a proposal of some kind. I mean, they, what what happens next is is that he does the right thing. I mean, it could have just been, and so he he just took her and had sex with her. But they talked about this kinsman-redeemer thing, and I'm, I'm going to go about this the right way. I, I am. There is, in fact, another relative that has an opportunity to, to do this before me. I want to do this the right way. I want to honor you. I want to honor God. I want to honor our laws. I want to honor our process. And so we kind of switch, really, main characters to some degree, from Ruth to Boaz here Mm -hmm. as he kind of steps in again as the redeemer Jesus figure and just shows tremendous character, tremendous sacrifice goes through the process, ultimately takes the land, takes Ruth and they have a son and Naomi's getting to have a grandson and she's happy. Ruth's happy. Everybody's happy. And, and the story ends with just like, Oh, with a, with a neat little bow on it. And then at the very end, There's a genealogy, which we just skip these genealogies, Mm. right?
1: Mm, Right. I used to.
0: And it says, going through it here, we'll just pick in verse 21. Salmon was the father of Boaz, Boaz the father of Obed, Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David. Ding, 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 ding. David, the the second king, considered to be the greatest of all of the kings. And so it really turns out this is kind of a superhero origin story. (laughs) That it's this, it's this incredible story about Ruth and her character. It's an incredible pre Jesus story about redemption and saving and sacrifice. But really it's all just kind of wrapped up in what for the original readers would have been just an incredible little whoa. Right. That that the that the that the king, the greatest king, this this is this this is part of his story. And that a Moabite of all people is is part of his line. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just a lot of worldview shattering, I think, that's that's happening here. And we we don't necessarily feel that same level of impact. We kind of read that and go, Oh, cool, David. I know I know that name. I don't know salmon or Obed or Omnimadeb or Nashon. or I don't know any of the people. Oh, David, I know that name.
1: Salmon, I've I've eaten that before. I mean, yeah.
0: And so it's just being a really great story of just God using an ordinary person like Ruth to show extraordinary character. And then we have Boaz coming in and showing what what God does, what Jesus does of just sacrificing himself in order to bring her in the way he brings us in. And then this story fits into this bigger picture story of what God is doing. And ultimately she gets to be connected to considered by the Jewish people probably top definitely top 5. Oh yeah. Top oh, 5 yeah. greatest people in their history yeah and it really is just an amazing story so thanks Cass for for being here with us i think I think just hopefully all you guys can get a little bit more of the story of Ruth by kind of walking through it this way, but just kind of understanding how important it is to just kind of slow down and and try to and ask more questions about what's really going on here and if you don't understand something, don't feel bad. Hang no. out there for a little
1: while, yeah don't feel bad,
0: yeah. So, and thank you guys. Thank you for joining us. And if you are here in Northwest Arkansas, we'd love to see you some Sunday at the Grove Church. You can find all the details there at thegrovechurch.org slash connect. Or you can find us online and stream with us on Sunday morning, wherever you are. You can find us on Facebook or on YouTube. Either way, we would love to connect with you. And again, thanks for being with us on the Cultivate podcast.